Hey, everybody. How you doing? Happy Friday. Thank you for joining myself, Ben Fisher, and Greg Gifford for the next episode of the Local Marketing Institute Q&A Live. Next slide, please, sir. <laughs> so, as we are saying, Greg Gifford, search ledge digital. You can reach him on Twitter at Greg Gifford. Me, Ben Fisher, steady demand. You can reach me on Twitter at the social dude. Both of us open all the time. Join us, please, on Facebook at the Local Marketing Institute Connect. Here you can engage with people like myself and Greg, and of course, everybody else that's wonderful in our community. Everybody's really happy to share knowledge, educate each other, and ask questions all the time. We're a free resource, so join the community. Next slide, please. Uh, and of course, don't forget, if you're on the go, just subscribe to one of our podcasts or all of our podcasts, of course, and listen to them every other week. And with that, I think we are out. Hi, everybody. Happy Friday. Just a little bit of a quick piece of news, just so you know, next month is Local U Month. So Greg and I have some uh, things that we have to do basically next month. So we will be skipping our next episode, possibly. Stay tuned for news on that. We might actually go ahead and uh, get a guest host for that. If we don't, we'll be back uh, when Local U is ar- comes around. We're probably going to do this on a Thursday because we're going to want to do live interviews while we're at Local U. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and if you're in the audience and you want to be interviewed while we're at Local U and you know you're going to be at Local, at local U, just reach out and please go ahead and uh, let us know. Thanks. And you definitely want to watch it because, you know, that's going to go way off the rails and be a super wacky time. Oh, heck yeah, it is. All right. Trisha's going to be there. Woo. Awesome, Trisha. So, okay. Excellent. Fantastic. So with that, we're just going to go ahead and get into some stuff. So, um, you know, this is kind of the, I think, the, the, the month in a sense of Google tests. There have just been a ton of them over the just the past week or so that we've just been seeing out there that have just uh, been happening. And so the, the first one, um, I forget, I think this was spotted by like Andy or Joy or Mike or something like that. And that is called Local Cards. Now, they're gone now. Um, but they've been there for like at least a week and a half. And you could look on mobile, like uh, looking on local uh, on mobile. And basically what we would end up seeing is, is we would end up seeing these itty bitty little cards missing all sorts of data. It's just literally the name, I think of the category. Um, and they would be showing up interspersed within organic search. So just kind of interesting. Personally, I don't know. I think it's kind of a silly test, to be honest with you. Um, They're small. They're nondescript. They have no data, which is useful to the consumer, right? So why in the world would Google want to launch something like this except for real screen real estate, maybe? Um, I don't know. Have you seen, have you taken a look at these, Greg? Any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those deals where, you know, Google's running tests, you know, Google's trying stuff out. And of course, it's always going to be like, hey, guys, what's up? And everybody's always going to ask Barry if it's new or not, and they're going to post it. And if it's one person seeing something and not a lot of people see it, or even a lot of people see it, and it's gone the next day, it's kind of like, okay, cool. We see they're testing stuff, but 
Yeah. I don't think it's anything like, you know, it's the whole hubbub on Twitter. Like, oh, my God, they're doing this. It's crazy. Ah!" Like, okay, don't freak out. They test stuff all the time until we really see it more often or we see like a dedicated test in a certain region. I'm not super worried about it. And, and not to mention, I mean, come on, realistically, a lot of these things are seen in Australia first, which is why our buddy Andy, he sees everything first. And so does Brody, actually, come to think yep. of it. Um, so good on you guys for sharing everything that you see. But until we see it actually rolled out to the United States and everybody can see it consistently, it ain't real. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Max. Exactly. Australia is a test site. You got that right, man. So... Um, so let's talk about another test that's going on. This one is being slow. It's just dubbed the review carousel so far. I'd love how everybody gives a name for something, even though it's not real yet. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, okay, right. All right. So let's give it a, let's spend some brain power on that. Um, oh, hey, Mark, how are you doing? If you have a question, please pop it into the Q&A, please. We will be ignoring it if it's in chat. So um, the reviews carousel, <laughs> it's all good, dude. Uh, the reviews carousel, basically, this is where you're doing, uh, you're doing a search and you'll see where Google has basically said, we're recommending these businesses for you based on their reviews. And then there's like three or four reviews or something like that that show. And there's like, they look like little Twitter cards, basically is what they look like in search. Um, I got mixed feelings on these if it's to come to reality. And, but we've seen this kind of on mobile, especially like with Q&A, where you'll do a search and it'll show you like Q&A based on your query. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting um, I saw some hubbub about Joy doing a presentation at Local U. That's going to explain maybe why the order of these looks the way it does. But I don't know. What do you think, bud? I wish I'd like just recorded what I said for the last time you asked me what I think about it. Because it's the same thing. Everybody freaks out. Oh, my God. Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, until we really see it, nothing to freak out about. Yep. You know, you, you need to add that to the soundboard, by the way. I know. Oh! Everybody freaks out. Right. All right. So let's see. Uh, all right. Yeah, so, freak out sound. Okay. That's what it would be labeled, Stephen. The freak out sound. On my little soundboard. Like you can see my like, soundboard yeah. right here. If everybody wants to see, looks like that. And now I can add a freak out sound. Exactly. Yeah, I'm just, you know, just get a little, like a, a little freaking turkey gobbling or something like that. That's a yeah. freak, that's <laughs> a freak out sound. <laughs> The turkey gobble. Um, okay. And then we do have a final test. This one was actually just seen, um, you know, and he did tease everybody with all these tests today, but oh well. And that is, is a review tab. Um, yeah, this one actually, I think, was reported on by Barry. And on desktop, we're seeing the separate tab for reviews. Also, a test. Um, yeah, basically. So we've seen tabs before. Heck, you even saw it when we saw that, uh, the local services test, yep. Yep. which is actually still out there, by the way, I saw you again yesterday, you know, and that's got all sorts of different tabs and overlays. It's freaking awesome. Actually. I love it. All right. And then the last thing here is, I'm just going to move that because that's more fair. Okay. So, and that is, is it just giving you all an update? Um, and then I'm just going to shut up for about 10 minutes. 
No, but seriously. So, <laughs> so basically an update on reviews not displaying. Now, what I'm talking about is, is I'm not talking about reviews that you've had, which are going missing. Yes, that's still a real thing. And I'm not talking about the fact that somebody just said, hey, I left you a review. Do you like it? What do you mean? I don't see your review. Uh, I'm not talking about that either. By the way, that's also still a real thing. Um, it's actually pretty bad. I'm talking about brand new listings, not able to get new reviews. Um, was at Google last week with all the uh, PEs and brought this up and they were like, yeah, we know about it. Sorry. That's all. We need the, oh, I, don't, I need the like sad trombone. The wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah, the right. Exactly. So here is my call to action to everybody in the audience is that Google needs data. Google always needs data. And if you have a new profile, which you have tried to get reviews for, and they are not displaying and only applies to brand new profiles, please come to the Google My Business, Google Business Profile community. Please open up a thread, include the dashboard URL when you verified the listing and any examples of missing reviews. Now go ahead and I will escalate those up to Google. And so we can show them examples and examples and examples. Um, Did anybody catch that? You said Google My Business. Caught yourself, but you did it. I'm going to keep on doing it, dude. I don't care. But no, when you guys do go, guys or gals, do go post on the forum. Make sure you include a link to your Google Business profile. Make sure you include as much data as you can about stuff because... Ben and I are on the forum every day answering stuff and escalating stuff. And every time, I mean, they do multiple review escalations a day. And every time I'm like, hey, look, you need to share all the details. If you've got screen captures from customers, share those. Share a link to your Google business profile. Everything you can. And, you know, if you've talked to support, share this, the case number. And people will come back and be like, all right, cool. I put it all in a Google Doc. And it's a private Google Doc. So then you have to say, make sure it's a public Google Doc. Then it is a public. <laughs> and then you go look and they don't have a link to their Google business profile. There was two guys this morning that were like, cool, I did it. Then they finally unlocked it and made it public. And then I went in and they're like, check out the screenshots of these reviews. And they didn't include the screenshots. So like, make sure that you give as much information as possible or the product expert that's going to help you is going to come back and tell you, you got to put that stuff in anyway, because we can't escalate without the appropriate information to let the team know what's going on. Yeah. And trust me, you don't want a frustrated product expert. We've got too many, too many things that we're doing actually already. Um, okay, into Q and A, Greg. This one's for you. This one's for you, man. That's my. This one called you out directly. It's a little scary. Just saying, dude. Just saying. So this one is from John Paninino. Hi, Ben and Greg. Hey, hope you guys are doing well. This doesn't need to be read live. Oops. This doesn't need to be read live. Okay, well, sorry. Well, we can still read it. We're it doesn't alive. need to be, but it can be. It's fine. Okay. The nutshell is there's an issue on the community for Pearl Spa. Uh, is there anything that can be done to get the pictures to post? Okay, this is a this is a content issue with posts, Greg, is what this is. Um, actually, it's not a content issue with them. So we escalated it. And what it turned out was 
there was something going on. I don't remember exactly what they said, but basically for some reason there was a bug in the back end that every time they tried to do a post, it got rejected for being a duplicate image, even though it wasn't a duplicate image. So there's something in the system that the system thinks it's a duplicate post, but it's not a duplicate post and it has to do with the image and it's not a duplicate image because that image has never been uploaded before, but the system thinks that it is. So they literally weren't able to do posts. I escalated it like, John, jump in on chat. I think that was like a month ago, maybe even longer that I helped the first time. Support came back and said, or the, the GBP team came back and said, okay, here's what it was. We fixed it. They should be good to go. And I don't know, John, if you ever were good to go, but they said you were good to go. And then John just came back a couple of days ago and said, hey, look, I can't post anymore. Here's some more posts. There's nothing wrong with these. And clearly there's nothing like, it's not one of those you know, sometimes if you're doing a post for a spa and there's somebody getting massage, it gets tagged as like nudity. It's like not even a picture of a person and there's zero reason they should be getting rejected. Uh, so I re-escalated it, John, and we're just waiting to hear back from the team. You know, basically when we escalate, then it gets sent over to the appropriate team, whether it's, you know, the GBP team or the reviews team or whatever. And then they have to wait to hear back from that team before they can tell us as product experts what's going on till we can come back and tell you what's going on. And unfortunately, sometimes it just takes time and we got to wait. And I know it sucks. You can't do posts right now, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Deleting all the post content. I don't think that matters at this point. I really do think, John, it's going to be something related to the same thing as before. And it's annoying, obviously, that we have to wait a period of time when they already knew what the issue was before and we're waiting them to get back to it. But I would guess it's going to be a pretty quick thing when they get back in and go, okay, here's what's going on and hopefully they fix it and you'll be good to go. But yeah, I'll, and- I'll pop in on the post and let you know as soon as I hear back from them. Not to mention, John, no, you don't want to delete all the old post content. And this is just a general rule of thumb for everybody. And that is, is when Google is looking at your issue and it's been escalated, don't do anything. Just literally chill. It's hard. I know it's hard, especially if you were dealing with clients, but you got no other choice. And if you do start doing things like in this case, if you start, you know, deleting a bunch of stuff, um, if you start deleting a bunch of stuff, now all of a sudden you've upset what they're looking at. So now they're not looking at the same thing that they were supposed to be looking at. And God forbid you do it in the middle of their investigation. That'll screw things up even further. So yeah, so don't do anything. Basically, just relax. Got nothing else to do. Drink some coffee, tea, something like that. Yep. So then the next question is for you, my friend. Let's do this. And it is from Jeffrey Magner. Uh, Jeff Manga. And the question, suspension reinstatements, the details. Is there currently any delay on reinstatements? And if it's been 10 days or more, is there anything to do about getting it resolved? Thanks. So the age-old question reinstatements okay anyway uh yeah jeff unfortunately reinstatements are super duper backed up right now um and so they was seven days so those were the good old days and as of two weeks ago it slipped to average being 12 days now it is 15 days so um, so basically 7 to 15 days, lean more on the 15. It sucks. It's horrible. It really blows. 
but that's what it is. There is no way to speed this up, by the way. Google is aware of it. Um, that's another thing we talked about last week in New York. So uh, they are very aware of it. This happens, by the way. I mean, you know, in the six, seven years that I've been doing this, it happens maybe once every other year um, where things just really go sideways when it comes to reinstatement timelines. Unfortunately, I can tell you this is that based on my experience, um, reinstatements are going to be stuck in this kind of horrible time loop probably for about three or four months. That's about how long it takes me usually to, to sort it out. So it's going to get worse before it gets better, um, more than likely. I hope not, but more than likely. Keep an eye on Twitter, uh, on my profile, because I will be putting out updates about this. And I do have a page on steadydemand.com, which is all about the reinstatement time period. Right on, right on. Iron Greg. Let's see, buddy. We got something for you. All right, this one is from Danielle. Uh, she says, should you ask customers to leave a Google review while they're still currently in the store? Good age-old question. Uh, should you ask? Sure, you should, because when they're in the store, you're talking to them, and if they're a happy or even an unhappy customer, there's no better time than the present to say, hey, you can leave a review here. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking them in the store, but having a review station in the store is definitely a bad idea. You don't want to do that. Uh, you definitely don't want to have everyone pull out their phone and leave a review. A lot of businesses will have like a QR code and, hey, shoot the QR code and leave us a review. But if all of your reviews come in at your location, especially if they're using your Wi-Fi, that's the same Wi-Fi that you're using to edit your Google business profile, that could potentially cause problems. So no problem asking on the location. Just don't try to make everybody actually do it at the location of the store. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty Anything much. Anything else to add? No. I mean, the, the thing of it is, is that, um, you know, basically, yes, asking at the time of, you know, somebody doing the actual review is important, I think, personally. Um, side note, if it's local service ads, you actually cannot ask for a verified review if they are in your store or if you're if you're at their location, just so you know, it's against guidelines. Um, but the chances of them getting filtered, because, you know, like like Greg was saying, if it's a kiosk or QR code or on, their, on your Wi-Fi, it might sound all tinfoil hat type of stuff, but... There's actually been quite a few uh, studies on, done on this, and it kind of makes some sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. It is, and it depends, I think, actually. Scenario. Oh, 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 where it, is it? Harry, Harry. it depends. Perfect. Okay, excellent. <laughs> all right. Um, but yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's pretty much all I've got on that, man. So the next question is for you. And it is regarding, I could, maybe it's not a question. It looks like maybe it's more news. It's a link about the fact that there is a waiting period for new owners and managers. So uh, this happened a few months back, but still important to talk about because people don't realize yeah. that it's there. So I will share the link in chat while you discuss. Yeah. I mean, this was, you know, like you said, this was a couple of months ago and, uh, and people still ask about it. But basically, when you add a new user 
to a Google business profile, that user has to wait seven days to do anything on the profile, like editing hours or URLs or names or things like that. Where this becomes a problem is, is that, you know, if you're trying to switch out the ownership of the profile and let's say you want to remove a user and make somebody else the primary owner, which we try to do like daily, um, then once you add that user, you have to wait seven days. They can only be an owner. They can't shift them over to being a primary owner. So, which means you're going to be stuck with your primary owner basically for seven days. What can you do? Yep. Uh, this was rolled out mainly so they could stop abuse and stop hijacks, you know, because people were getting, making ownership requests, getting ownership, and then booting everybody out basically, and then changing the phone numbers and the websites and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, it was pretty bad. Dirty cheaters. Dirty cheaters. All right. So, what we got here? So, question for you. Did you just turn British or half British for like five seconds? I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Uh, so, um, Wenka. All right. So, all right. So, let's go with the question from Michelle Miller. And this is for you, dude. Wait. All right. Are backlinking services worth the money? I struggle to get backlinks for myself. And clients have pondered service for services for this. But I wonder... If they're black hat and could they hurt me in the long run? Uh, yeah, that's where I wonder what you're talking about when you say backlink services, because kind of. Eh, it depends. Uh, if you're going to one of those crappy ones where they're selling guest posts and link inclusions on articles and stuff, probably not worth it. Uh, if you're. Think of it like, are you buying a link somewhere or are you paying for outsourcing the link building process? There's agencies out there that just do link building. If you're talking about going to a legitimate link building or digital PR type of agency, then yeah, totally worth it. It's going to be awesome. They're going to get you great links. It's going to make a difference. But it also depends. We're talking local search. A lot of those backlink only agencies do traditional SEO. They're going for big authoritative links with let's create a piece of content and do outreach and do all these things, which doesn't necessarily always track well when you want to get local links. So you're just going to have to kind of do a smell test on the options that you have or do some research and see, is this somebody doing local links? Are they legitimate links? Are they doing link building? Are they just selling you links on guest posts or other content? and figure out the right way to go so that you're right. You don't want to get hurt in the long run. So let's dwell on this subject for a minute. Let's dwell. Let's dwell because I think it's important to talk about backlinking, right? Um, it used to be like if we, if we time traveled and, uh, you know, we do a Bill and Ted, right? <laughs> oh, right, hold so on. We, I got it. Yeah. Exactly. So we do, you know, we do a Bill and Ted and we go back to the early 2000s. Okay. Uh, let's go back to the 90s. That's fun. So back in the 90s, um, when you were doing SEO, you had to earn links. There was no buying links. It wasn't even a concept back then. Um, you know, back then it was like you just reach out to somebody and be like, hey, would you mind linking to me? You know, I'm kind of relatable to this content that's on your page basically, or I'm a restaurant, you know, can I be included in your, you know, webpage about restaurants for the local area, you know, and people would link to you. Fast forward, 
2000s. Now, everybody wants links. The web has exploded. The number of merchants has quadrupled, you know, more and more and more. So now everybody, of course, is still wanting links. And SEO agencies have figured out, oh, people want to get traffic to their sites. And all of a sudden, there's this googly thing out there, you know, and they're looking at links and judging people based on links. I think we should start charging for links, you know, instead of, you know, just giving them away. So, which is, you know, it's supply and demand, right? And so, um, so they started charging for links. In the 2000s, you also had schemes like things like link wheels and link farms and such. Um, I do remember that I was a publisher of about six websites. They were all PR eights, I believe of those. I, had, I even had a PR nine. And man, I was selling links for $2,500 a month for one link. But hey, it would turn you into an instant PR7. So there was that, and there was a lot of value in that. And it was, and it helped your SEO back in those days. Uh, side note, in case you all didn't know this, not CNET would sell them for $25,000 a month for one Holy Nikes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, if you owned a PR8 or 9 back in those days, you were basically printing money, literally. Wasn't sustainable, but you were doing it. Um, and then where are we now? Google has devalued links. They have an automated way of taking a look at links and basically deciding whether they're going to pass authority or not. You don't know this. PR is now hidden. I'm rambling on a lot about history. And... <laughs> <laughs> so these days now, what it is, is that there are, like Greg was saying, people will sell you a bunch of crap links, okay? They will put you in a bunch of crap directories. They will give you a bunch of blogs or comment links. All of these things don't work, by the way. Um, and then they'll sell you on the fact that you need to have link velocity, for those on the podcast, I am definitely putting up air quotes. There is no such thing as link velocity. Link velocity was a thing for about three years until Google said, oh, you know what? Yeah, that's a bad idea. So, um, but it, you know, it's just like EXIF data or, you know, geotagging images. SEOs have to have something that they can sell you on a regular basis that justifies their $2,500 to $5,000 a month spent. And so link building services is part of that. What I like to recommend is, is take a look at the authority of yourself and your brand. Okay. Greg, you're a perfect example of this, right? For search lab, lab digital, yeah, for search lab, lab digital. Jeez, that's a tongue twister today. How many links do you think you get earned on a monthly basis? For yourself. I, I I know this sounds crazy and everybody's going to go, but I don't pay attention because I'm not doing SEO on our site because we don't right. get leads from doing SEO on our site because that's just not, most agencies don't really get leads because you rank well for being in an agency or whatever, but guessing, I mean, I probably earn easily at least two a month, but mm -hmm. a lot of times it's five to 10 a month that I yep. just get naturally. But that's because I have a weekly video series and 
That's just me every Tuesday. And then we have another weekly video podcast. That's a longer form 30 to 45 minute thing that's done by Mark, our owner that comes out every Thursday. So that's two video series every week, plus other blog content. And Mark Irvin works for us. who's one of the top PPC guys in the world. And he does stuff on the blog. And like I was looking today, I'm still frustrated because I do so much more content on the site than him. And he still has the number one blog post that we have talking about Google changing how ad targeting works. But I get it. A lot of people care about that. But yeah, I mean, create good content, whether it's written content, video content, whatever, you're just going to earn links if it's good content. Exactly. That's, that's the easiest thing to do. You don't even have to pay for it other than you're using your time and effort to do something. Yeah. And let's talk about that really quickly. Um, I have a good friend of mine, his name is Jeremy uh, Knopf, and he's uh, the owner of Spartan Media. He also owns another thing, which is talking, so talks about building your authority and what that does for you as a business, or as a, just as an individual. And the thing is, is that we all start off with being not an unknown quantity in our industry, in our field, right? And then over time, because we're knowledgeable, we, we test things, we experiment with things, we like to talk, right? Um, you get noticed. And how do you get noticed? By creating good things, creating great content. You know, if we look at like the people in our industry that I'm just going to go some, throw down some names of, that everybody knows, but look at people like Mike Blumenthal, Joy Hawkins, Gee, Conrad, you know, Everybody over at Bright Local, of course, right? You know, you just look at the people that we know in this industry and you think about it. Well, how in the world did they get to where they are? They created great content. They networked with people. And guess what? Now they're, they're a known quantity. They have been for years and people look up to them, respect them, and they naturally link to them. Mike started up near media out of the thin air. And guess what? He does a weekly series with Greg and with Dave. Oh, my God. <laughs> How long ago did he start near media? That was like not even a year. Maybe I a year. just realized it's near me. Near yeah. me. Media? Yes, I never me. caught yes. that before. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> oh, right on. oh man that's so clever <laughs> yes, I, don't, yes. I can't believe i never caught that before Near i'm sorry that's totally a tangent me. yeah yes that's so brilliant right. yes it is so but you know but the great example is is like it's less than a year old and he's getting links on a weekly basis because of the content that he's pushing out and he's not asking for those links no joy doesn't ask for links you no. don't ask for links he doesn't ask for links i don't ask for links never Never. I, no, actually, I take it back. I asked for a link from Search Engine Journal once because I wrote the damn article. <laughs> <laughs> Tip, if you write for Search Engine Journal, ask for a link. Anyway, but, um, but that's the point is, is that the links were meant to be a natural signal of, of authority. That's what they were meant for back in the day when Google first started this whole damn thing. And so... Think along those lines. Don't think along the lines of, well, I'm just a little guy. I can't get links. I call BS. It takes work. It takes time. It takes patience. And it can happen. It can happen to anybody. Um, so that's my encouragement for the day. Go ahead and get some natural links. Create some content. You know what? If you create some content, 
share with me on Twitter, I will share it. And guess what? Yep, I will if too. If it's link worthy, I'll link to it. Maybe. Yeah. All right, let's do one more right. question from the preloaded questions for you, and then we'll move over to live stuff. So All this right. one comes from Michael Hardy, and it is, why are suggested edits under review for weeks? If suggested edits are handled by AI, why do they often stay, quote unquote, under review for <laughs> a day or even weeks? Okay, so what you're talking about is that you have now gone into Maps or you've gone to a Google business profile, you have suggested that an edit, this place is closed, this place doesn't exist, this website is different, whatever the case may be. And then you go to your contributions on Google Maps and go look at it and you're like, damn, this thing's been in review, in review, in review, and stuck there. That's the issue that you're talking about. And the answer is, is this, is that if you are not making this edit as an account that you have authority over, then Google has to double check the information from multiple sources. And sometimes it goes for human moderation. When it gets stuck for a long time, it's probably because it's stuck in human moderation at that point. Um, how can you increase your chances of this be of reviews being accepted? Well, there has to be a lot of information across the web that supports your suggested edit. So if you're updating, say, a phone number, but that phone number is still on their website. It's still on LinkedIn. It's still on the BBB. It's still on blah, blah, blah's blog. Um, then Google's not going to update that information very quickly. If it is updated in all those places, it might get updated in less than 36 seconds, literally. So, uh, yeah. That's the that's official it. number, too. 36 seconds. Totally 36 seconds, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, oh wait, I guess the next question is me, so you can read it to me. And we'll switch over to live Q&A. All right. Uh, I guess I'll ask you the first one then. All right, let's do it. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I know that uh, this comes from Kathleen. I know that ATMs can have GBPs, but can car charging stations have GBPs? Ooh, that's a really good question. Yes. I believe the answer is yes. I know the answer is yes. Yes. Because I just got my new electric car this week and I've Woo! been looking and you can actually, there's two ways to go here. So yes, they can have, that's why I was hoping you would ask me this because I know this. I'm excited about my new car. Uh, you can have a separate GVP for a charging station or you can also select EV charging station as a category for a GVP that already exists. So I work with a ton of car dealers. And if a car dealership has a charging station at the dealership, they just add EV charging station to the categories on that dealership. They don't set up a separate, separate GVP. GVP. But you can set up a separate GVP. And it's easy to look if you just do EV charging station and search that. It gives you a map pack and it shows you the ones that are close to you. My only question that I would want to ask to find out from someone at Google that would know is, oh, I, I was going to say, if it's a free charging station, I don't know if it's eligible because it's not really a point of business, if it's just a free thing. But Max just commented in chat that that's how he finds Tesla superchargers and Tesla superchargers are free for Tesla owners. Mm -hmm. So apparently, yeah, you do get them. Free or not, it would, I think it would, they would show. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be that you're doing a transaction. 
you know what I mean, to be eligible for a GBP. So it just has to be that something has to be transactable. And in this case, free electricity. Yeah, I guess free electricity is a transaction. So, yep. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but I mean, there's all sorts of free things, you know, on Google Business Profile anyway. So, yeah, it just it just makes sense. Um, so, we, well, now, hold on, Greg. You, you can't just tease everybody, dude. What'd you get? I got a Polestar 2. So tell us about the Polestar. It is ridiculously awesome. It's the so all of the manufacturers are splitting their EVs into separate brands so they can do more of the direct to consumer thing and screw over car dealerships, but that's a whole nother rant. So Polestar is the EV brand of Volvo. So it's technically Ooh, Volvo. Really? Their EVs. Uh there's their they call them Tesla or not Tesla, they call them Polestar Spaces. It's not actually a dealership. It's a little showroom section in Volvo dealerships. And there's maybe six or seven across the country right now. So Polestars have been around for a while. They're a lot hotter in the UK and Europe. They're very, very rare over here because they're just kind of starting to come out. But uh, it's a super sweet ride. It's uh, it's a kind of a hit or miss about whether people in the States like them or not. It's very European styled. So a lot of people think it's weird. Uh, but I dig it. It's right up my alley. It looks really cool on the outside. It is way cooler on the inside than a Tesla because Teslas are very minimalistic. And this is a lot more like, hey, let's make this look super rad inside. And it runs on an Android operating system. So you can be driving really? and say, hey, Google, do this. I actually was doing it last night. We've got Google Homes all through the house. So we can like turn off lights or set the thermostat or turn fans on or off just by saying, hey, Google, turn this on or off. And you can also do Google broadcast from one room to another where you say, hey, Google broadcast this, and then it'll do like an intercom and just broadcast to the other rooms. I can do Google broadcasts from my car to all the rooms in my house, which is pretty cool. So like I was coming home and I was like, hey, kids, come unload the groceries. It was pretty sweet. So my first question is going to be, is will it self-park? It does not self-park. Damn. Okay. All right. But it has a super rad thing when you're parking you can go from just the backup cam or just the front cam to a 360 degree camera because it's got cameras all around the car. So it switches to a top down view of your car. So you literally see the top of your car and you see a live camera view 360 yeah. degrees all around your car. So it's like a camera is in the air, like 25 feet above the car. It's super cool. Yeah, that's actually, believe it or not, been a feature that's been around for quite a while. I believe it was the Nissan Rogue then that uh, first launched that. Um but but anyway, no, yeah. There's there's it looks nice. It looks it kind of it looks nice. The interior is kind of minimalized. Uh, it's got a stick, which is kind of interesting. And it, it's uh, really, that's just the sh how you switch from drive to reverse. You don't oh, okay. use it. It's just there yeah. instead of being somewhere else. Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, I love my Tesla, but like we were saying earlier in the green room, dude. I'm sorry, I got the itch. It's the '80s itch. Dude, if I had 250 grand sitting around, I'd buy <sighs> those DeLoreans are going to be so wicked. Yeah, like, give me a couple of years. Give me, a dude. I was at the NADA convention, the National Auto Dealer Association convention in March in Vegas, which is all the new car dealers come to this big convention, and they had a DeLorean that was an EV, but it was an EV conversion of the original DeLorean. So it's the original like, metal body DeLorean. <laughs> the aluminum, yeah. Yeah, but it was converted into an EV. And that was even sweeter because it was like, oh my gosh, that's like a legit DeLorean, but it's an EV. Like, 
It's pretty sweet. You can guarantee I'm going to have a flux capacitor in there. Dude, you know, I got a flux capacitor on my watch. Hold on. <laughs> I got to wait for my watch to turn off and then I pick it up so the camera can see it. By the way, everybody in the audience, I'm just saying, where else in the world can you actually come to listen about local SEO and hear people nerding out about EVs? I'm just saying. All right. So watch. I'm going to show it on the camera. Hopefully it'll show up. It animates a flux capacitor when I pick up my watch. Oh, nice. (laughs) Sweet. All right. So all right. Quit a little early because you're doing that other podcast. Do we have time to hit a few more real quick? Or yeah, yeah. Let's limit? let's let's go ahead and let's uh, let's jump on into a, just a couple more. All right, all right, all right. So let's see. Alrighty. Okay, so we have a kind of a question here. Would adding links inside pages that go to our Google Business Profile or to the Review Short Link help with a better correlation between the pages and GBP, a.k.a. Where are you getting this from? Ranking, bucko. It's new. I, don't, I, I Wait, read it again. I was trying to figure out where you were reading the question from because it wasn't in the Q&A. Oh, I'm sorry. We're in Q and A. My bad. Yeah, oh, we're shit. reading we the we're five. reading the live Q and A. I didn't bro. see. I didn't know. I didn't see. We have so many questions here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, my bad, everybody. All right. So we have a question for you from Michael Parker. Oh, a few weeks ago, somebody asked about using website templates and themes, like from Envato. Is it okay for SEO purposes to use and rank a site? You're unsure what the template was. Uh, for pre-designed website. Hold on. I'm going to read this actually. Give me a second. Yep. All right. So the nutshell of the question is, will using a website designed template theme hurt you? Will it pass the Google core vitals or is it just a waste? It's a good question. So A, he says in his question that SEO gurus in double quotes say to never use a template. Anybody that refers to themselves as an SEO guru, you shouldn't pay attention to anything they say anyway. Right. Uh, but yeah, he's exactly right. He says they say don't use a template because it's got bad code, but don't worry. They have a team that can help you pass that. And then they end up using a template. No, yeah, templates don't matter. Like, obviously, be careful with the template because there is going to be some code bloat there. And it's never as good as getting something designed from scratch. But does it mean it's going to be bad for SEO? No, I have tons of sites that I have amazing visibility on that are built on templates. Doesn't freaking matter. And does it pass Core Web Vitals? Core Web Vitals are a crock. It's something buzzy that people want to talk about at conferences and write blog posts about. But it doesn't matter for squat, honestly, unless you're in like the bottom 20%. If you've got a really bad first contentful paint or a really bad time to interaction, okay, then yeah, it's it's not good for you. But if you're like first contentful paint is three and a half seconds or largest contentful paints, three and a half seconds, and you go and do all kinds of stuff to your code and get that down from three and a half. To one and a half, is that going to influence your SEO or your visibility? Absolutely not. It doesn't matter unless you're in the bottom, probably 15, 20%. So don't worry about Coral Web Vitals. And for sure, you're safe using a template unless it's like really, 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 really slow. 
So there's a gen- gentleman on uh, Twitter you should follow. His, um, crap, I forget his last name now. His name's Ken. Uh, reach out to me if you really want to know who he is. Anyway, and so Ken is actually in charge of this department um, over for uh, at Google, basically, the, the Corp of Vitals. When it first came out, he joined us on the Clubhouse chat. And um, we asked him point blank, will Corp of Vitals help with ranking? He said it is literally the tiebreaker. So in other words, if page A and page B are going to rank number one for a certain query, the best one with the best core of vitals is going to win. So in other words, just like you said, whoop de freaking do basically. All right. What do we got next? Uh, Body's got a question. We have many backlinks on our local service businesses website from strange sites. How do you know which ones to disavow or if they are not hurting anything? Uh, there's an age old boy. This whole episode's really about links, isn't it? Um, okay. <laughs> so the the answer here is that for the most part, bad quote unquote links are not going to hurt you per se. Now, if you've got a entire backlink profile, which is nothing but Russian bot sites you know, and blog comments and things like that, the chances it could hurt you are pretty up there. But, you know, with this whole link economy also comes a lot of, you know, there was a whole period of time there where there was a lot of negative SEO, where people could just go out and buy, you know, $10,000 worth of links and tank a competitor overnight. Um, Google, of course, got wind of that and made some changes to get around that. So, I I take a look at backlinks usually when we're doing a pre-audit. And, you know, if somebody's like saying, well, I'm having a hard time ranking or something of that nature, uh, I'll just take a look at the, the page speed and then the page links. And then if the links that are all coming inbound are really crap, to me, that's actually an indication that you have a horrible SEO person or company and that it needs to be looked at. And so, uh, so actually, I use an indicator of quality versus like, is this going to hurt my rankings? What about you, Greg? What do you got on this, man? No, yeah, honestly, we're kind of at a point where unless somebody has got a significant number of bad links pointed to their site, we don't even worry about it. Like Google's really good at ignoring the bad links because it's uh, the easy way to think of it is Google's really just pattern detection. That's really all Google is. It's pattern yeah. detection. And Google's looking at patterns of various things. And if we're talking about just your links, Google's looking at the pattern and Google's got gazillions and gazillions of websites and years and years of history to analyze. It's pretty easy for Google to figure out, are you getting those bad links nefariously and on purpose to try to manipulate? Or are they just random bad things that happen to link to you and you shouldn't be penalized for it? Does it make mistakes? Sure, sometimes maybe a little bit here and there, but nowadays it's really good at knowing that, hey, look, you didn't do this on purpose. And, you know, 95.2% of your links are legit links. So the remaining 4% suck. Okay, cool. I wouldn't even worry about disavowing those links. Now, if you've got a pretty big chunk, maybe it's worth disavowing, but it's very rare that some bad links are going to hurt you. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So next question, 
This one's in from Mark Collins. Hey, Mark. All right. I'm having to, and this is for you, Greg. Oh, it's a link question. All right. So, uh, does the L in LMI stand for links today? Yeah, I know, right? So, uh, all right. So, we have, we're at the Linking Marketing Institute. All right. <laughs> so, uh, I'm having trouble getting a boarding school to rank in the Google Carousel. We have a 50 DA. <clears throat> all right, whatever. Um, <laughs> original images, a perfect Google page. And we are in Wikipedia. Oh, congratulations. And a few sites like niche.com. Never been there. Any ideas on what the trick is for the carousel? So my first question is, I'm not sure what he means by the carousel. I'm assuming he maybe means the map pack, but that's not really a carousel. So I don't, I don't know. Let me do a search for boarding school and see if something shows up for that that doesn't show up for other queries yeah i mean i search boarding school i see a map pack i see a people also ask and then i see organic and then i see top stories i don't see any sort of carousel i think we're talking mark if you're still here can you pop into chat and clarify what carousel means i'm guessing i'm going to continue to answer until maybe he pops in there i'm guessing he means the map pack when he says the carousel a domain authority is a total BS metric made up by Moz that means absolutely nothing in the real world, so it doesn't apply to SEO. <laughs> original images, there's lots of sites that rank well that have images that are on other sites, so original images doesn't really matter. Maybe he's talking about he's not using stock images, so he's using original images. Yeah, yeah. That, that okay, maybe that matters for your Google business profile, doesn't really matter for your site. Perfect Google page. I'm assuming that means 100% filled out, but not map. It is a carousel. Um, yeah. Query. Give us a query, please. Yeah. Give us a query, Mark, that we can search because I don't know what carousel you're referring to. But then perfect Google page, I'm assuming he's probably meaning Google business profile and that it says it's filled out 100%. Optimized. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean I searched boarding schools in Maryland. I got something that could be considered a show is not a map. It says from sources across the web. Oh, from sources across the web. That's different. Boarding school, New England. Let's see what that looks like. Oh, okay. That honestly, I don't even know how to answer that question. All right. This I don't, is a, I, I don't do anything a, with education. I've never seen that that type of display before, so I don't know. I've seen this kind of display before. So um, <clears throat> this is okay. <sighs> Best way to explain it is: is this is a function? Hmm, screw it. We damn. We don't have enough time to explain this thoroughly. This is a function of Google Search, which is not a function of Google Business Profile, which is. Not a function that has nothing to do with your website or anything of that nature. This is just how Google uh, is basically grouping this together because they know that based on behavior, no, it's not from schema either, actually. Um, they know based on user behavior that when somebody is looking at one boarding school, they're looking for multiple, probably multiple boarding schools to, you know, to make a decision. So, um, so Google's going to show everything all together, basically. Um, it's rare. So kudos for finding the query. 
Um, but that's basically what it is. And there's nothing that you can do to influence this, by the way. This is Google just figuring out that you that the entity is a boarding school. So it's relational entity search, I guess is how you could call it. Yeah, no problems, dude. Sorry that I didn't have a better answer for you. Um, although I will say this, high quality images on your website, absolutely important because Google is a visual search engine. All right. One last quick one before you go. Let's do it. Uh, this one comes from our buddy, Max Lopez up, Max? in Las Vegas. Uh, fun side fact, Max and I are co-presenting at an automotive conference in October. So that'll be fun. Really? Yeah. Cause this conference is weird I and mean, it's a really awesome conference, but they instituted a new rule this last fall that to present as a vendor, you have to have a co-presenter that is a dealership. So I can't go present even though they love me and they want to have me there. And I probably don't even really have to pitch. I can only present if I have a dealer co-presenter. So Max and I have become friends and I reached out to Max since he's in Vegas anyway and said, Hey, can you do this? And he said, yes. So we're going to co-present. It's going to rock. Awesome. Rock on, Max. Max's question for you is how do you change the social profile on a GVP? Google has chosen a person for our business. Funny part. He is the one consistently asking for reviews from a customer that mismatched or from customer that matched the GVP. Okay. Man, I, I kind of want to do an like almost an entire episode based on the difference of how search actually works, you know, and because there's this big misconception, you know what, we got a couple of minutes from, why not? So uh, there's this big misconception basically that local search and organic search in general are the same thing which they're not, you know, and we were kind of discussing this a little bit in the green room, Greg. Um, Like, you know, people wonder, for instance, why they'll rank a certain way in search organically when you're just doing a query like we just did, or why they'll rank differently inside of the local categorical finder, which is when you click on see more businesses, or why they rank in a different position, even when somebody goes to maps. The short answer to this is this, and then I'm going to answer answer your question, Max, is that the short answer to that is, is that the database for maps, search, and local are all different. They share entities with each other, but how they function as an algorithm is completely different because the intent is different in each one of those buckets. So... So when you're looking at things like, you know, things you have to understand where is this data coming from and how and why is it being displayed? And that's where I'm coming to answer your question, Max. And that is this, is that the social profiles, those are pulled by scraping from search. Has nothing to do with Google business profiles. Zero. Google business profile is just the container for that feature. So how do you fix this? Very simply, two things that you need to do. The first thing you need to do is in the bottom right-hand corner, when you do the actual search, is you want to click on send feedback, okay? Click on send feedback, and then you'll be able to go ahead, do a screenshot. It'll do a screenshot automatically if it's selected, and then you can type in your reasoning for your feedback. Hey, this is the wrong profile. Please fix it. More than likely, even though those are human moderated, you may or may not get a good result. If you don't, then you just want to go to the community for search, which I believe is slash webmasters. So support.google.com slash webmasters. 
that's where you want to go in and post about your problem. And then, um, and then a product expert should be able to help you from there. But that's basically it. Boom. What, what you got, Greg? Anything? I'm very well said, my friend. I've got nothing else to add. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, uh, with that, that time, right? Yeah, we can close out the books. Just again, as a reminder to everybody, we may have a session in the next week or two. Uh, I'm sorry, two weeks. Depends. And um, if not, we absolutely, yeah, it doesn't. Unfortunately, it doesn't have anything to do with schema. Uh, back in the Google Plus days, it did, but they got rid of that, Trisha. Um, so you, you could use what's called the same as, but they got rid of that because it was being abused. So, yeah, so in two weeks, we may or may not have a show. Uh, if we don't, that's okay, because we are going to be making it up at Local U, and we'll be doing a live series of interviews. So if you are in the audience or if you have a friend who will be at Local U, feel free to have them reach out to either Greg or I or both of us. And well, actually, you know what? No, Greg's going on vacay, so don't bother Greg. <laughs> I'm pretty and- much out of the office until Local U, so... He's got a crazy travel schedule, everybody. So, um, so yeah. So basically, yeah, excellent. Just, uh, just drop us a line, and we'll be happy to interview you. Okay, and uh, then you'll have a piece of content because you'll be interviewed. <laughs> so, anyway, everybody, have a fantastic weekend. Thank you, and feel free. By the way, all oh, okay. One more call to action. Thank you, and that is is please, everybody. Do submit questions for our next upcoming um, webinar. Okay. Appreciate you all. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye.